Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Less is more. Who was the brilliant individual who came up with that? Less is more. It's um, it's the way of today's athlete, isn't it? Less is more. Hey, look at the film. I'm not going to work out. Hey, look at the film. I'm not going to play in a bowl game. Hey, look at the film. I'm 50% ready to go. Old school guys. Tape up and take an aspirin and get up. Not today. Less is more. Unbelievable. And uh, Caleb Williams, you just heard at the top of the hour, not going to do anything. You can look at it medically. Watch the film. A lot of people believe that the NFL Combine is nowhere near where it once was and that the most important part of it is the medical exams. Uh, To look at everything for uh, the way that these players have gone through three, four, five, six years of with the COVID rules still in place uh, collegiately to get ready for the NFL. But it um, it's an ongoing procedure that we see. It's uh, it's just changing in front of us. And I've always looked at it this way. Now, I've never been in that position like Caleb Williams, but you have an unbelievable opportunity to prove yourself. Uh, to everyone, wouldn't you like to take advantage of that? Certainly, 99.999% of us would. Whether it's one interview or 32 interviews or no matter what it may be, it gives you that chance to get out in front of who you could be working for uh, to express yourself, for them to meet you, to them to, to go out and watch you. But it just seems like this combine a little bit less year after year, certainly with the stars. Marvin Harrison Jr. is like, forget about it. You want to talk to me? Come to Columbus, right? I'm not going to work out. Look at me. I'm the best wide receiver in the draft. Look at me. I'm the best position player in the draft uh, that is not a quarterback. So it's just pretty interesting. And, again, everything changes right in front of us. I and mean, who would have thought 10 years ago that guys would no longer play in bowl games? I remember one of the first ones, it was the, uh, the Peppers kid, Jabril, uh, Jabril, Jabril Peppers, when it was a Florida State-Michigan Orange Bowl. And we found out about it, you know, right before a kick. And then if you remember in that game, the very talented tight end, Jake Butt, uh, ended up really getting injured to the point where it affected his career. So I understand it. You know, but you Fabian Lovett talked about it yesterday. Jared Verse went as far yesterday as to say he regrets not playing in the bowl game against Georgia, which is just totally mind-boggling to me. You had plenty of time to decide. You had a month. Uh, why would you make a decision like that and then regret it? If you're going to make a decision like that, you know, own it. Stick by it. Jared Verse was a star yesterday. I think the only concern for him was his – Arm length and 33 and a half inch arms, a freak type uh, performance for him with a 4.58. And, you know, maybe that's good. You know, maybe that's, uh, I, I have to look at Trent Bulky and a guy like Jared Verse and a guy like Dallas Turner. And obviously his mind is spinning. He'd love to bring in that type of player. For those of you who remember, for those of you who are students of the game when it comes to, 
the strengths and the trends when it comes to general manager Trent Baalke. He is a guy who is absolutely in love with arms, wingspan, arm length. Many people believe he ended up taking Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson because of that very reason. Trayvon Walker had a arm length of 35 and a half inches. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, it was only 32 and one-eighth. May not sound like a lot to you. Doesn't sound like an awful lot to me, but it certainly means a lot to Trent Baalke. All right, it's great to have you with us. My name is Rick Ballou. So good to be with you this afternoon. R.J. Saunders is going to produce the program. We're on till 6. I'm normally with you each and every 6 until 8 o'clock. Today we're turning things around a little bit as the afternoon show is on their way back from Indianapolis. You know, I just looked up here in our studio where today it's about the defensive backs. It's about the tight ends. Right. Yesterday was the front seven, a great day for the defensive line, a great day as well for several linebackers, Um, DBs and tight ends today. And they just showed walking in the room, walking down the corridor, uh, Quinion Mitchell. He's a guy that has been tabbed here for the Jaguars at number 17 out of Toledo, six foot, just under 200 pounds, 46 career backups. Don't know much about him. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to begin the show with a lie. I don't watch Toledo uh, each and every Saturday. Yeah, I've seen a nugget here and a nugget there uh, on the internet, and I've certainly looked at things since the NFL Combine has been with us, but that is the pick at 17, according to Mel Kuyper. Our next guest, Josh Edwards, who's coming up in 20 minutes, CBS Sports there at the Combine in Indianapolis goes the exact opposite today. With his latest mock draft, it becomes a wide receiver in Brian Thomas Jr. Very familiar with him. Watched him play live twice when LSU took on Florida State. Florida fans, you've seen him. SEC fans, you've seen him. Here's what I love. He's 6'4". Outside of the offensive line, which I yell about daily here, nightly here, and it's, it's lodged in my brain. Okay, Uh, the only way I'm going to stop doing it is if someone knocks that out of me. All right. It is the biggest problem with this franchise. You have to have the best offensive line in the NFL. Hey, one thing I'm going to do later in the show, I'm real excited about this. I all sorts of homework, put everything down. Look at these notes. It's incredible. I'm going to do later in the show a Jaguars cut and restructured segment. Oh, it's groundbreaking. It's going to be so much fun. And, and what I'm going to do is create a ton of cap space. Not going to dive into what they should do as far as free agency, but it becomes a twofold plan. Not everyone out there is going to like what I'm doing, but I'm going to provide it for you anyway. I'm going to actually have quite a few June 1st cuts because you recoup that much more money then as compared to when the league season begins in actually two weeks. I'm going to do it that way. So, it may have a little bit of an effect on getting a ton of free agents who are available this year in March. Jacksonville's still going to have plenty of money. I'm going to have them over $40 million. But you're also going to have another flood of coming in uh, of players after June 1st, which will allow you to do what? Sign Andre Sisco. Sign Tyson Campbell. If you don't already have a deal done with Josh Allen, sign him. That's later in the show. I'm already looking forward to that, but we got much to do. Uh, before we get there, back to Brian Thomas, all right? Brian Thomas Jr., the wide receiver. 
what I love about it, he's 6'4". Trevor Lawrence, and Bulky's done a really good job. Trent Bulky got weapons for Trevor Lawrence, okay? He got him a couple of tight ends. He got him a couple of backs. He got him three wide receivers. You, you can't complain about the skill position players outside of maybe Tank Bigsby uh, being selected in the second round. But I'm telling you right now, pump the brakes there. Uh, Doug Peterson talked about it yesterday, an interview on Pro Football Focus with Josh Alper. He's not happy with the workload for Travis Etienne. And a lot of people believe that that is the reason why he dipped overall as far as his you know, efficiency, why he wasn't as effective. I, I happen to think much of that, again, is the offensive line. But Trevor Lawrence needs a big-bodied wide receiver. You got a bunch of little guys. Who's your tallest guy out there? Zay, what's he, 6'1", maybe 6'1 and a half? They tell me Calvin Ridley's 6'1". Didn't look that way when I meet him in the locker room. You know, to me, it looks like he's just barely six feet. Agnew's small. Parker Washington is small. Christian Kirk uh, is small. I would love to see Trevor Lawrence with a big wide receiver. That is what you have with Brian Thomas at 6'4", 205. But still, not even close to my pick here. No way I'm not going in that direction. But that's the latest. Uh, The two... Mock drafts that have come out this week of, uh, you know, just about everyone has a mock draft nowadays, but you understand what I'm getting at. It's either a DB or a wide receiver. I disagree with both. I'm going with the offensive line. But anyway, uh, we certainly have that to look at as we get things rolling right here on a Friday edition. All right, opening comments this afternoon brought to you by the good folks over at Schmunez Vision. Looking forward to uh, meeting with all of them coming up on Monday. They're such a great group, and they continuously are expanding. I I tell you, whenever I play golf with friends or clients, it amazes me how bad people's eyes are, okay? And why is it that when it comes to our eyes that we seem to let it go? You know, if you feel a little twig or, you know, a little whatever it may be, uh, something's bothering you, you know, around your, uh, you know, your chest or your lower body or your legs. I mean, you're always first to go to the doctor, right? Oh, my God, what is this going to be? Your eyes, it's kind of like, you know, I'll get to it later. Oh, it's no big deal. I'll sleep in my contacts. Oh, it's no big deal. You only have one set of eyes. And it amazes me, again, how we neglect that. The good folks at Schmunez Vision, they are there for you out at the beach. Let me tell you, eight and a half years ago, I just went in for a normal checkup, okay? Dr. Nero Schmunez is like, buddy. You need to have this removed from your right eye immediately. Picked up the phone, called work here, said, hey, I got to have eye surgery tomorrow. He says it's got to come out tomorrow. He's like, take it off, get it, bam, in, out. Never has been a problem. I go back and visit at least twice a year, sometimes three times a year. Never has there been a setback. So no matter what it is, high-quality medical, surgical eye care, for all the details, just go to Schmunez Vision. That is Schmunez Vision Care, you can see. All right, let's crank it up. Josh Edwards in 15. Uh, Niall Lawrence Stample coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. A segment which I am fired up about also in that 4 o'clock hour as to what I want to do with the Jaguars as far as restructuring contracts and releasing players, creating a ton of money for this franchise. Great to have you with us. Best way for you to get a hold of us, Twitter, Blue1010XL, on our text line, Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures at 641-1010. Into the night. 
with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we're just underway. Good to have you with us. R.J. Saunders is here. I see you rated by Walkman once again uh, for today's set list. Absolutely. We're about to be jamming. Yeah. Out at six tonight, right? Or you do a double shift? Doing double shift. Uh, I got you there. I don't know what I'm going to do myself getting home at six. Sad news of the passing of Andy Russell. I think one of the most underrated NFL players of the last 75 years. Never gets mentioned for the great Pittsburgh Steelers uh, steel curtain defense. I mean, as a linebacker, he played next to two Hall of Famers and Jack Lambert and Jack Ham. And then with Joe Green and Dwight White and Elsie Greenwood and, you know, Mel Blunt in the secondary and. And uh, you just go on and on and on. But, I mean, the guy made seven Pro Bowls. And he passed, I guess it was last night, at the age of 82. So, not uh, probably not a household name for a lot of you listeners out there. But those a little bit longer in the tooth certainly remember the great Andy Russell who has passed. All right, Combine going on just a moment ago. Renardo Green, I've seen him listed uh, to the Jaguars, you know, later in the draft. That. That is what is going to be so incredibly important this year for the Jaguars. Trent Baalke, when we met with him 18 days after the season, said it was really rare to be able to plug in three or four starters as rookies. And, you know, obviously we saw what Kansas City did. We saw what Detroit did, Detroit's draft. But was just spectacular this year. And we understand that really the only rookie who did anything was Anton Harrison, and and that was really impressive. But the bad taste in your mouth is in the second and third round, right? Second round pick with Brenton Strange. Guy had more penalties than receptions. Tank Bigsby just, I mean, we knew that Tank Bigsby didn't get out of bounds, right? He ran out of bounds in in that game between Alabama and Auburn and Auburn would have won the Iron Bowl. There's certain things that I don't think you should have to teach. There was a lot of criticism this year on both Trevor Lawrence and Parker Washington down around goal line. The rookie didn't get out of bounds. I mean, it's it's simple knowledge, right? Uh, Sometimes we coach and we overcoach. You got to know that in that situation for Parker Washington, you have to get out of bounds. You have to know in the situation for Tank Bigsby playing against Alabama, a chance to knock the head off the beast, you got to stay inbounds. He didn't. Tank went out. And Tank just looked kind of lost last year. It seemed mental. You know, it seemed like it was an emotional thing. And it was a major surprise for me because he was a star in August over at the Miller Electric Center. But those ended up looking like fringe picks. They ended up looking like um, arrogant picks instead of finding guys that you can play this year you got a tight end who was clearly third with Evan Ingram now at that time they had just given Ingram the franchise tag I get it they did it a couple of weeks prior to that before the March 5th deadline ended up doing a long-term deal with Ingram before the you know franchise tag deadline which the same thing will apply this year coming up on July 15th, and obviously Jacksonville's going to have a player on that list, whether it be Josh Allen or Calvin Ridley. My guess is you'll see the tag slapped on Allen before March 5th, so that's four days away. 
And then you hope you can do the same thing you've done the last couple of years, right? You got a long-term deal done with Cam Robinson two years under this scenario. You got the deal done last year with Evan Ingram under this scenario. And then Tank Bigsby in the third round because there just felt, you know, it felt like you needed more help in the ditch. And some of you out there still subscribe to the belief that Jacksonville wouldn't have gone Anton Harrison in the first round if, in fact, uh, Cam Robinson didn't get popped for four games with his suspension on the eve to the draft. So this year, that can't happen. You have to get, in your first round, second round, and third round, you have to get contributors. 17th pick overall. 48th pick overall. All right, that goes to Atlanta. If you sign Calvin Wrigley to a long-term deal before the season, league year actually begins, which is March March 13th. That's not going to happen. Even though Bulky said at the Combine two days ago, doesn't really matter to him, second round, third round, I, I think that's gamemanship. Jacksonville's not giving up their second round pick to sign Calvin Ridley now, okay? I feel very confident about that. You have two third round picks. One you lost to Atlanta. You got one for Juwan Taylor as a compensatory pick. So you have 17, 48, 96. Out of that combination right there, you have to get at least one starter. I would love two, but one starter and then two other solid contributors. And what I mean by that is, in my mind, at 17, I'm going offensive line. I'm going to get the guy out of Oregon, Jackson Powers Johnson. I'm going to ask Josh Edwards about this. He's joining us in about seven minutes. Okay. His fresh update today has him getting a wide receiver out of LSU and Brian Thomas Jr. I know a lot of you out there love it because I get it. You love skill guys, right? I mean, offensive lineman's boring, especially I'm talking about an interior offensive lineman. I'm talking about a center who's worked a little bit at the senior bowl at guard. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't think Jacksonville can can get to that next level with Luke Fortin. That has to be addressed. But anyway, where, where I was going with this, the other two are contributors. If you're going to get a defensive back at number 48, I'm fine with that. You need a corner, right? You need a nickel. You lost your nickel in Trey Herndon. You're in the final year of your contract for both Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams. A lot of people think Darius Williams is going to be a cap casualty because you can save $11 million. I told you I'm going to do that later in the show. I'll be right out front and honest with you. I have been the entire time. There's no way I'm moving Williams. He was your best corner last year. Now, will things change with Ryan Nielsen in more of a press man, more of a, um, you know, less zone, more man cover? But after listening to Nielsen, it was almost like, really? He talked about cover and bail. And things like that. Maybe even though because maybe this is an example of us, and I'm guilty of it. We're so enamored with the analytics. You know, pro football focus and what have you will tell us that the Jaguars were like the third least man coverage team in the NFL. And Atlanta had the most man-to-man coverage in the NFL. It's, It's kind of tough at times with the naked eye. And I'm not talking about you folks out there who've had 14 fall staffs and don't know which two teams are playing. I'm talking about the guys and the gals that are really, really invested down in distance. And you know when a lineman comes out or someone from the front seven comes out and an extra cornerback comes in. Or when you take out a tight end and you go to trips and bring in an extra wide receiver. And not all of you are that deep into it. I get it. It's a party. It's a good time. 
It's diversion. You get away from the work week. You get away from everything else. You want the Jaguars to do well. You want them to win. But I've also noticed here forever there's a lot of real passionate fans in Jacksonville who get it and understand it. That school of thought is relevant. Is Darius Williams going to be a good cover corner? So at 48, if they draft a corner, those two guys are the final year of their contract. I mean, next year, in 2025, you have three corners under contract, right? You got Buster Brown, you got Eric Hallett, and you got Christian Braswell. Do either one of those three get you to the point where you're like, yeah, yeah, no. They're going to have to go after a corner. And again, I'm going to talk with Josh Edwards about this in just a couple of minutes. And if you do get a wide receiver in the third round, okay, there are holes there. Zay Jones is going to get cut. Jamal Agnew is not going to come back. You do need a wide receiver. I think Calvin Ridley returns, and obviously Christian Kirk, that contract is going to have to be restructured. I actually think Parker Washington is going to be a guy who can help. I do. I think he's going to be a part of this. Not a number three, but maybe a number four, maybe a number five when it's all said and done. So that's what I'm getting at this year. You can't in the second and third round this year have a Brenton Strange and Tank Bigsby, even though they may be a big part of it in 2024. They were not in 2023. This year's top picks have to play on Sunday in 2024. That's a major difference from a year ago. Just my way of thinking. If you want to respond to my goodness, look at the text line. Word is out, RJ. They know. No one is more interactive with our listeners than than we are on Into the Night. I mean, I spend all my time here typing back and forth because I get hit after hit after hit. 641-1010 on the text line. But they're rolling in this afternoon as well. I will do my very best to get to each and every one of you. But I love your opinion on that. Again, 641-1010. That is the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, and you can get us on Twitter, Blue1010XL. All right, today's show brought to you by the good folks over at Patriot Roofing Services. Whether you need uh, your home or your business, a new roof or perhaps your current roof if it needs repairs, give my buddy Mark Tozzolo a call, 982-4052. Gutters, sun tubes, skylights, your best bet is just to go online. Go to Patriot Roofing. And you can see everything there. No subcontractors. You're dealing just with Mark. Financing is available. It's licensed and insured. 10-year workmanship warranty and a discount for military and senior citizens. Go to Patriot Roofing online for your home, your business, a new roof, or to fix your current roof. Coming up next, live from Indianapolis, my goodness, Josh Edwards. CBS Sport. He's got a fresh mock, and it's out. I don't love it. I don't. Lo- I don't need more skill here. I need some big eaters. I need some nasty in the ditch. He's going the other way. He's saying it's a big wide receiver out of LSU. Josh Edwards is next with Rick Bullitt. Let's ring up another guest on the All Pro Roofing phone line. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Renardo Green out of Florida State, a 4-5-4 on his first 40. He's getting set now to run his second. 
Let's see another. That's uh, a four-five, so four tenths of a second better. I've seen him linked to Jacksonville quite a bit later in the draft. Obviously, Florida State with twelve players at this year's combine. Michigan with eighteen. Josh Edwards does an outstanding job covering the NFL draft. He's the NFL draft writer for CBS Sports, and he joins us live from Indianapolis. Josh, I know you're busy out there, man. Really appreciate a few minutes. Yeah, of course. Appreciate you having me on. What a day yesterday for some defensive linemen. Uh, Dallas Turner, an, an incredible day. Uh, Chop Robinson. Uh, but I want your opinion on those two Florida State kids. Let's begin with Jared Verse. What did he do, in your opinion, to move himself up the board? Well, I think he tested off the charts, and you kind of wanted to see just how you know athletically gifted he was because the, the tape shows a really powerful player. I think he finished the season on a really high note. So for him to go out, run as fast as he did, looked explosive doing it as well. Um, I think he checked that final box that you know any any team may have had a question about, and uh, he's asserted himself as as a likely top fifteen choice, certainly uh, top ten in most drafts. But because of the quarterbacks this year, uh, some of those wide receivers, you know, possibly gets out of the top ten. As a Florida State graduate, as I am, I'm, I'm uh, obviously uh, really in tune with the program. And I thought Verse did a lot of little things this year that weren't as recognizable. Because some will say, and it, it appeared this way at times, Josh, he did disappear. Yeah, no question. I think early in the year, um, you know, coming back to the Seminoles after what he did in his first season there, um, I think he was still trying to find his way there. Uh, and then, you know, the way that he finished over the back half of the season, not only him, but really that entire Florida State defense, uh, a lot of team speed, you know, with, with Braden Fisk and what he showed yesterday. Uh, Jerry and Jones, he, you know, just ran a really fast 40 time. Uh, linebackers, both very fast, Tatum Bethune and, um, you know, Kalen Deloach both. So a lot of team speed on that defense. And I think as the year progressed, that team really kind of came together and uh, was able to lock down some teams in the ACC. Yeah, that's the last seminar I want to ask you about is Braden Fist because you can go to, you know, Albany a couple of years ago when Norvell got verse, and then he does the same with Fist going to, uh, I think it was Western Michigan, but he just made play after play, and they moved him around. He, I know he tested really well yesterday, Josh, but this guy during the season at Florida State, he made plays. No question. I mean, he was incredibly consistent. Um, has done everything that's been asked of him at every step in his career. Uh, you know, look, you look at the Senior Bowl. He practiced with one team throughout the week and then was traded to the other team on game day and, uh, you know, had no issues with it. So he's willing to do whatever he needs to for the team. And I think one of the concerns with him coming into this draft was going to be that length, um, you know, because he doesn't have the ideal size that you look for the interior defenders but he's been able to I guess neutralize that in a way because of his ability to get off the ball he's able to get into blockers quickly um, and he's got the quick hands to kind of deconstruct those blocks and impact the opposing backfield so uh, not only did he run fast in a straight line yesterday uh, but we saw some of that agility through the bags uh, as well so I think he had a really really great day showing that that acceleration that top end speed just every athletic quality that you would look for from an interior defensive lineman. It's day two as far as on-field testing at the Combine. Josh Edwards is there, NFL draft writer with CBS Sports. He joins Rick Ballou. All right, your latest mock draft is out. 
And you have Jacksonville at 17. Brian Thomas Jr., six foot four wide receiver out of LSU. Around these parts, we're very familiar with him. Why Thomas to the Jags? I think he's got tremendous upside. He's somebody that's gonna should run fast. Uh, we'll find out here tomorrow. But uh, somebody that should run fast. He's got great size, capable of making plays down the field. I think that would just be. Uh, you know, a really good weapon for Trevor Lawrence. It may not be the top of their list of needs, um, but for me personally, seeing Trevor Lawrence over the past couple of years, I want to go into this year feeling that I've done everything I can to support him. So that's investing in the offensive line, making sure he's got the wide receiver talent and depth that he needs to be successful because that depth was challenged at wide receiver this past year and, you know, even the offensive line. So, Uh, For me personally, I think Thomas is a great value at that stage in the first round, uh, but also somebody that could develop into one of these, you know, alpha top, you know, 10 caliber X wide receivers in the NFL. Mm, I I love your comments there, especially with the offensive line. I've been hollering about that for the last several years uh, here in Duval, but Thomas is a big guy. He's 6'4", and and Trevor had big wide receivers at Clemson. He hasn't had a guy who's big here that he can rely on. How much does that factor in the fact that he's 6'4"? Yeah, I mean, I think that's incredibly valuable, especially when you look at the skill set of the other wide receivers on the roster uh, at this point in time. We don't know what's going to happen with Calvin Ridley. I tend to think he'll be back with the organization, but still waiting to learn his future. Uh, Christian Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, um, a couple of guys that are just really crafty underneath. They've got good speed, but uh, yeah, they've been lacking that element um, of ball winning capabilities downfield. And I think Thomas gives that to them. Uh, that was, you know, a really good comment about what Trevor Lawrence had at Clemson because he did have, you know, the T Higgins, he did have the uh, the Bo Collins, you know, all these tall wide receivers that were able to make plays. Justin Ross capable of making plays downfield for him. Um, and I think it would be a good good idea to give him that type of a skill set in the NFL as well. All right, let's talk about the guy that I would love them to select. That's at number 17, Oregon center, Jackson Powers Johnson. And I know at the senior bowl when you were there, he he was nicked and and, and came out. I believe it was a hamstring. We'll, we'll get his uh, official measurables coming up this week. But 6'3", 320 is, is what we're expecting. What do you make of him coming here and being the center of this football team? Yeah, I was hoping for more from Luke Fortner, to be honest, over the past couple of years. Um, you know, but that's been an issue for him, finding that consistency. So with everything that I've said about finding that offensive line help, Jackson Powers Johnson is a possible good replacement for Fortner. Um, somebody that has just an incredible lower body base, um, able to achieve leverage. Sometimes, you know, he'll get off his um, off his mark. His pad level will be too high, and that kind of creates some balance issues occasionally. But, um, you know, a really well-rounded player in this draft class, somebody that's going to, uh, you know, drive his feet on contact in the run game. He's got good lateral agility. So uh, if you're looking for a center, he's definitely going to be one of the top options in this draft class. And I think once you get beyond him, Zach Frazier from West Virginia, um, you know, Graham Barton, he's he's played left tackle for Duke, but somebody that can cross-train and play different positions in the NFL, including center. The position kind of falls off the table a little bit. So mm. if you are going to take a center in this draft class, it almost has to be in that those first couple of rounds. 
Jackson Powers Johnson, is there some nasty there? Because that that has really been lacking in Jacksonville. It's a it's a soft offensive line with with no personality. There's no meanness on this offensive line. Yeah, no question. I mean, that's incredibly important, especially for the offensive line. You have to be able to, um, you know, play with that fire. It's not something that can be, you know, created. It's got to be just this innate, natural, um, you know, mentality that you have on the football field. So I think that's incredibly important. If I was looking for a mean streak uh, in this draft class, I love Zach Frazier um, from West Virginia to bring that uh, attitude, that tempo to a possible offensive line. I think he finishes plays really well. He played through a broken leg for the mm. Mountaineers this past year, so very tough, gritty kid. Uh, but really every offensive lineman that comes out of Oregon has a little bit of a mean streak to him. I think that's something that they look for in that unit is, is somebody that's going to play to the whistle, finish plays, everything of that nature, and, and Jackson Powers Johnson is among them. All right, last question for you, Josh. Uh, conversation here with Josh Edwards, NFL draft writer with, uh, with CBS Sports. Uh, you do a ton of these shows, and it's always about the first round, and I've asked you about 17, but you took us down the road a little bit here with Zach Frazier. Um, interior offensive line, you told us about center, but, but guards on both sides. The Jags need all three, in my opinion. Can you find good quality NFL starters on the interior outside of the first round in this year's class? I think you can. It is a little bit more challenging. It's not the deepest position in this year's draft class. Uh, but you look at a Dominic Puny from Kansas. Uh, Jordan Morgan is another player that has played left tackle, but could very well transition inside. Keaton Bills from Utah is uh, a player that I personally like. There's some other tackle conversions that I think are probably going to be considered on day two of this draft class for teams that are looking for interior offensive line help. Uh, because it does get a little bit bare. So you're looking at those, you know, former tackles that possibly have the footwork, uh, you know, the the play style to move inside. Somebody like Nathan Thomas um, from Louisiana is somebody that I think has just really good footwork, somebody that's going to work to the second level. Um, and even though he has played left tackle, somebody that has the mentality to make that transition inside at the next level. Josh, really appreciate your time and your work. Thank you so much. Of course, anytime. There he goes, Josh Edwards. Good stuff there. Love it. CBS Sports, NFL draft writer. Got a hit, got a hit, got a hit. You got to get him. You got to get it. Offensive line, people, say it with me. I I, I understand. I, I You know, you, everyone wants to look like an actor. Everyone wants to land a supermodel. That's the way life is, right? Give me a speedy wide receiver. Give me a shutdown cover corner. No! Give me some big uglies who don't shower, don't brush their teeth. We need a mean offensive line in Jacksonville. This offensive line is as soft as puppy poo. All right? It was the worst offensive line in the NFL. 3.6 yards a carry was the average. 31st in the NFL. ETM went from 5.1 yards a carry to 3.8 yards a carry. You know what led the league in in making others miss tackles? Travis ETM. One-fourth of his carries, 25% of the carries by the Jaguars running backs this year they were stuffed at the line of scrimmage or before the line of scrimmage. And then you're going to say, well, you know, 
They did a good job pass blocking. No, they didn't. Trevor Lawrence had like the fastest release in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence had incredible escapability. Trevor Lawrence also had five different injuries, some of which is his own fault because at times he did not play smart football. You have to give Trevor Lawrence the best offensive line that you can, period. I don't want to sit here in a year. You don't want to sit there in a year. And we're having the same conversation. Is Trevor Lawrence the guy? Well, we don't know that answer because they didn't do anything with that offensive line. You listen to what Doug Peterson said on Tuesday. It's petrifying. It's pet. I mean, it's it's uh, it's Freddy Krueger. It's Michael Myers. It's Charles Manson. It's David Berkowitz, son of Sam. It's petrifying. It's Linda Blair moving moving her head three sixty in The Exorcist. Talking about assembling the same offensive line. We only had one game with Cam and Ezra and Luke. (laughs) Luke Fortner and Brandon and Anton. One game? They're selling it. Balky's like, why even asking me about Cam? He's under... What? You can't rely on Cam. He missed eight games last year. Guy gets hurt every year. Can't rely. You're going to pay him $22 million? To be a very average left tackle? I wish you people would come with me here. Remember back in the day with the Bears, we had the black and blue. They had that cool offensive line where they wore shades and, and they, you know, they had the guns sticking out. Remember how cool it was in Denver when the offensive line refused to speak to the media? Hey, the great days of the Jaguars, 96 and 90 times. You know what you're going to do? You're going to Brunel me. You're going to Jimmy Smith me. You're going to Keenan McCardell me. You're going to Natron Means me. James Stewart me. Fred Taylor me. Pete Mitchell me. Uh-uh. You know what the identity of that football team was? Leon Searcy, Tony Baselli, Dave Widell, Ben Coleman, Brian DeMarco, Rich Tilsky. Give this organization an offensive line. The best offensive line that you can possibly get. And then if you fail, you blow the whole thing up and you start over again. Peterson, bulky, and yeah, could be Trevor Lawrence if he fails. I don't think that's going to be the case. But give him an offensive line. If not, this organization remains half pregnant. Coming up next, speaking of big eaters, although he's lost a lot of weight, my buddy Niall Lawrence Stample. He went to the combine 10 years ago with that national championship Florida State defense. He's here to talk about the combine. Yeah, we'll spend some time on that defensive line, the incredible work that they had out there Thursday during the NFL combine, and we'll keep you updated on everything that's happening Today, the best way for you to get in on anything Josh Edwards just said or I just said is on Twitter, Baloo1010XL, or on our text line. That's 641 that's brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM.
Four o'clock in Jacksonville. We do tonight till six. My normal show, six to eight. Hacker in tonight. Six to eight. We got a lot to do here over the next couple of hours, including my buddy Niall Warren Stample, 15 minutes away. And then Monday, we'll return to our regularly scheduled program. That is at uh, 6 o'clock. Is it going to rain this weekend? Is that what you tell me over there, R.J. Saunders? Is that what the Weather Channel said? You know, I never look. It's like the news. It's always bad news when you look. Well, plus they're wrong. We're wrong here, but it's like it's documented, right? I mean, when, when you're a meteorologist, there's always a way around it. It's like it was unexpected. Something happened. You know, the wind shifted or whatever. Uh, In sports, it's pretty cut and dry. If you pick a team and you're wrong, people let you know it, and that's it. Then again, I mean, meteorologists take a lot of of crap. I actually studied that at Florida State. It is a tough deal. It's a lot harder than it looks. They have a class for this? Yes, meteorology, yeah. And I took oceanography, uh, geology. Yeah. Biology. I thought you were a criminology major. Well, you had to, you know, do your basics, you know, your your other courses. So I am a criminology graduate. Damn proud of it, man. Love it. You need it nowadays. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you this. Are you a rain guy? Do you like the rain? Hate the rain. Despise it. I, I would like for it to rain like every night from like 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. And then just stay sunny the rest of the day. Right, because it's for the lawn. And it's for, you know, I love animals. And I understand that we, we need rain. It was raining sideways earlier today. And, and this isn't about me because working at 6 o'clock at night, I, if I can get out of bed, I can go out and I can go to the beach and I can play some golf and get with friends and get with clients. I actually hate it for people in this town who are locked in an office Monday through Friday and they look forward so much to the weekend and then it just dumps on you Saturday and Sunday. Can't go out. I mean, what do you do? During football season, that's one thing. You can lock in and watch the 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 8 o'clock. I I know many have kids, so they have events, but if if it's going to rain all weekend, what are you going to do? And catch up on some shows, maybe some housework. No. No. Mm-mm. Maybe you, I mean, you know, you have Baloo's bars, so I mean, you can watch games all over the place. But I can do that at night. I don't want to do that during a Saturday and a Sunday afternoon. I can tape, go back and watch it. I want to play up golf. on the PGA Tour. Good thing about this town, though, is everything's so far away. It could be pouring like off 210, which will totally upset the 210 mafia. But you can go out to like Orange Park or Amelia Island or something like that, and it could be crystal clear. Jacksonville's so weird. Man, it's huge. It is absolutely mammoth, um, no doubt about. It. No, I, I, I just, I, I despise the rain. The, the rain depresses me. I think there's something wrong with me when it comes to that. I, I'm, you've known me for a while. I, I'm typically a very happy individual. I only get angry when, for the most part, teams that I like lose or or do things that upset me. But the rain has an effect on me. I could I don't care how much money you pay me. I could never work in Seattle. I could never work in Portland. I get asked all the time, you go, you know, you go on Ireland. You go, I'm like, why would I want to go to Ireland? 
Okay, I know I'm Irish, but why want to go to, and it's great golf, it's links golf, but why do I want to play golf if it's like 45, 50 degrees out and it's raining? Why do I want to, that's why I'd rather go to the Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Costa Rica, somewhere like that and play beautiful golf. Why do I want to go to Ireland and play? Absolutely. We're too uh, fancy to be going to some cold weather town to golf, even though it's historic. We need to go to the sunny weather places. Need to apologize here. I've offended some on the uh, 210 Mafia. Hey, listen, I do everything I can to support you. Look, here's one on on, on the text line. Take I the know. family bowling or skating. Oh, I thought you were talking about the 210 Mafia. Well, somebody did on the on the text line say, bowling or watch skating? your mouth. But bowling. You, you, you and your girlfriend, go bowling. Yeah, I did that with the kids years ago. That was kind of fun. I've never been a guy that's just going to go bowl. I mean, where I grew up, it's the mall, it's the small balls, it's the candle pin uh, bowling. You know, up here it's big balls, right? Um, How about for you being a baseball guy? How about the batting cages? Love the batting cages, but it's raining. I'm not going to go to the batting cages in the rain. Don't they have indoor? I don't know. I don't know if they do. This is great. Zero two eighteen says blue. Drafting a wide receiver when your line is as horrendous as the Jaguars is like the guy who has a Mercedes but lives in a trailer park. That is one of the greatest texts that I have ever seen. And it's a, it's a tremendous analogy. And I'm serious now. And I'm trying to figure this out. And this is why I ask all the time for your opinion, either on Twitter at Blue1010XL or on our text line at 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. It's so blatantly obvious. Is it ignorance or is it arrogance? What is it? It's the biggest problem with this football team. They had the most expensive offensive line in the NFL just a couple of years ago. They made the right decision by not giving Juwan Taylor $20 million a year. He was the most penalized offensive lineman this past season. When Cam Robinson returned, there was a little bit of a feeling, oh, you know, here comes the mean streak, Cam's back. Can you really rely on Cam Robinson? When's the last time he's given you a full season? He gets injured every year. I, I, I don't want to see anyone get injured. I'm I don't have anything against Cam Robinson. I thought he was selfish for getting popped for four games. Tell you what, if Cam wants to do something good, slide over some of those PEDs to Luke Fortner for crying out loud. I could blow him off the line of scrimmage. Get him strong. Get him some PEDs. He needs all the damn help he can get. But is it ignorance or arrogance? That's what I'm asking you. It's You have to fix it. And if you don't, I mean, you're going to bring back Brandon Sheriff at $24 million a year? The guy's got a heart of a soldier. He's not the football player he once was. He's dealt with injuries the last two years. He had a core injury in 2022 and played through it. He had an ankle last year that cost him gains. But you watch the games as I do. How many times did you see that he had to pull himself off the dirt off the carpet, 10 to 15 seconds after everyone else. You know he's laboring. He's never been physical. 
He's always been kind of a finesse, smart guard. $24 million for him? Hell no. The only certainty I know with this football team for 2024 is Anton Harrison. The other four spots, we can argue all day, all night about. Luke Fortner, gone. Cam Robinson, gone. Brandon Sheriff, gone. Who the hell is going to be your left guard? Are you going to slide Walker a little down? He's not a guard. He was their best player through four games. But, oh, my God, it's Cam. He's It's so sacred. Oh, my God, Cam. Cam can't go to the right side. Cam can't Oh, no, it's Cam. Walker Little's outstanding for four games. They slide him inside. He lasts 11 plus. Oh, it's Cam. Now, there's like this four things that you're guaranteed to, to know and understand in Jacksonville. Outstanding golf. Outstanding beaches. The best view of any major city. A jail overlooking the St. John's. And Cam has to be the left tackle. I mean, God, it's, he's the only position he's ever played. He's average. He's average at best. You want to make some money? Run a book on this. Who's the starting left tackle in September? You can make a case that it's Anton Harrison going from the right side. You can make a case that it's Walker Little. You can make a case that it's Cam Robinson. Way, 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 way too many questions and not enough answers on that offensive line. Fix it. Fix it. You have the money. You have the draft capital. Fix it. Now Lawrence Stample joins us next. More Combine Talk. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, it's good to have you with us tonight. Uh, make it today. I do that by habit. Rick Ballou alongside R.J. Saunders uh, each and every night with you at 6 o'clock. That'll be the case coming up again on Monday in on this Friday at 3 o'clock. Uh, unfortunately, we got some bad news that just came in a second ago. Nate Wiggins. Uh, ran a, well, it popped around here now. Let's see. Yeah, he is done for the day. Uh, not bad news. There was uh, a hip flexor injury uh, for Nate Wiggins. He ran a 4.29.40, but he is hobbled off the field. So a growing, but, man, a 4.29. And Nate Wiggins is one of the many players who has been mentioned for Jacksonville as a possibility of going in the first round at number 17, a six foot two, 185 pound corner out of Clemson, just ran a four two nine. Niall Lawrence Stampo is with us, big sponsor of our radio station, of course, a former NFL football player and a national champion at Florida State when they won it all 10 years ago. When you uh, peek up here at the television sets and see the combine, Eerie feelings of you 10 years ago? Good feelings? Bad feelings? What, what do you think when you look up and you see it? Uh, man, I unfortunately, I wasn't able to really actually participate in some of these, like the 40 and some of those things, just because injuries really plagued my yeah. career at Florida State. Um, but looking at it, it's it's just the combine's a stressful time as an athlete. It really mm-hmm. is. Every single player there is high 
anxiety, high stress, just because you're looking to perform your absolute best around your top competition in the country. So um, everyone wants to be picked before. So it's it's a, it's a stressful environment. I think it's a consensus between everyone that really thinks that. But uh, overall, it's an opportunity to make some money. Yeah, it, it is. And I know for a lot of folks, and we're seeing more and more of this now, it, it wasn't as much that way 10 years ago when you were there. But many say that the most important thing during the combine is for teams to get the medicals mm-hmm. on all of these players. Yeah. You weren't 100%, so I got to imagine that affected yeah. you negatively. Big time. Holy smokes. I did – I I probably had three to four hours of just MRIs um, alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a room getting MRIs for that long as well as you go to multiple teams that are interested in you and they're just poking and prodding you and they're they're talking this and they're talking that. It's a, it's a really – stressful situation because you want to be your best you want to look your best and they're really trying to pick everything apart to try to figure out why they shouldn't choose you so um it is a it is a real experience especially if you're dealing with injuries you know i'm glad you said that because i'm friends with the jaguars doctor dr kaplan he's an outstanding guy but i i respect what he does to the point where i don't even off the record get deep in with him because i don't want to put him in a in a you know an unfortunate position but you yeah. just said poking and prodding it, a lot of times they think of all right you got a knee you got a shoulder let's run an MRI but tell us what they what the doctors and what the teams really do if they're trying to evaluate yeah. whether or not you know how significant your injury is yeah and you're especially when you're thinking in your mind you're like holy smokes I have a shoulder issue or I have this issue they have seen the documentation they've go- yeah. gotten the documentation mm-hmm. from the, the clinic and from the training staff at your college. So they know what stuff to actually pinpoint. So they're grabbing your shoulder and they want to see how flexible you are in that regard, in this regard. And you're thinking you're, you have this anxiety because you're like, you're hoping that you don't see that. And you're hoping that that's not something that's going to become a asterisk on your sheet, but it, it, it will become that because they're going to find it. So it's a, uh, it's, they do everything within their power to find every single reason to, stop this team from investing money mm. that may not be fruitful for them. You know, I love the way you say that. Niall Lauren Stample is our guest, uh, NLS Cleaning, uh, right here in Jacksonville, former national champion uh, for Florida State. I was just talking about Brandon Sheriff, who's a tough guy. He played with a core injury two years ago. He had an ankle this past year. Um, he's going to play, even if he's not effective, because he's tough. And so many professional athletes have that mindset that for one reason or another – Maybe if you take me out, someone else is going to replace me and get better. So you can't, or if you try to fake an injury, these doctors at the NFL Combine, they're going to be able to see through that. Oh, they can see through it because they're using all the latest technology and they're, they're, and they're not trusting just the one evaluation. They're trusting multiple different evaluations from right. multiple different doctors. They're getting third opinions. They're doing all the things, especially if it's something that is proven or shown to be an issue within your college career. So it's you're not really hiding much. Um, I have to assume some, some things kind of slip through the cracks, but for the most part, they're going to pick up whatever you got. Yeah, now Lauren Stample is with us. What was the most difficult part of the combine? Uh, I would have to say the... Evaluation between the meetings as well as having to deal with your the lack of time. So they pack you into a very short time frame to where you go. So you fly in Indianapolis. You're there for probably two days. But the 
it's just nothing but meeting. So you mm-hmm. go in, you meet with multiple teams, and then you it's a really long day. Then you go to sleep. You wake up at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. You, they start evaluations. You go into medical. You go in your MRI. You leave there. You still have to go back into meetings and meet with all these teams. And then they expect you to pour, perform at your absolute highest caliber you can. And it is proven that these teams, they do it for a reason. One, they want to be efficient with their amount of time that they have the combine going for, but they also want to see who is going to be able to perform at a high level with the amount of stress that they're going on in this environment. So both of those things kind of counterbalancing, very want to drive it. And I'm like, why wouldn't they change it? Why wouldn't they try to find separate times? This is what they want. They want it to be stressful. Is it uh, fairly standard when you, when you meet with the team is it basically the same set of questions or did you feel that every team that you met with you were being tested differently as far as what they were trying to get out of you so every team has their own sort of guru yeah. questions that they think that may be able to trigger whether you're serious about football or you love football or something like that but nine times out of ten when you go into a team you're going to see whether they want you or not mm-hmm. see if they're interested in you and or not or if they're just more or less bringing you in just to kind of feel the room and see what's going on with you but uh every team has their little nuance that they want to try to figure out out of you, you know I, w- I would find it interesting now that you're an amateur and you're on the cusp of becoming a professional and this is your job interview your first, second, third interview, whatever, is probably pretty pretty good, pretty pretty much the way you would expected it to go. Maybe a surprise question here and there. Yeah. But, man, it gets tedious, man. This And, and you can't act that way. The team yeah. may not know that you've already talked with a half dozen teams. Yeah. How does that affect you later on in the process when, here we go again, I have to answer all these questions? It's, that's what they want to see. It's, these teams know that they're uh, that you're being evaluated. They know that. And they're hoping to drive some sort of – mental state to where you can separate yourself from other people because they know that everyone else is doing the same exact thing as you. So if they can tap into a certain mindset that you have to where like, all right, this dude's resilient or this dude really wants it, or this guy is really locked in or focused, or this guy can care less, mm-hmm. or this guy wasn't even um, prepared for the combine, or he didn't even think about the questions that we potentially may ask him. So being prepared for the combine is really important on every level, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. You have to go in there as a professional athlete and not as an amateur. It's an incredible opportunity because all 32 teams are there, obviously, a place like Florida State, and in most colleges, same category, they're going to have their pro day, you know, six weeks or so later, and you can showcase yourself in a more comfortable feeling on campus. The yes. only problem there, Niall, not all 32 teams are going to be present for those workouts. Agreed. Agreed. But what the benefits you get from that is just like you would in high school as well as college. So right. you get the benefit of having multiple players that are on those teams that multiple teams are interested in. So if you're going, if you're in a high school team and you're maybe not the best guy on the team, but you think that you have it and you're getting there, that senior that's getting recruited by Clemson, they're going to potentially see you during that time. It's the same thing at the pro day. So if you have, a, if especially if you, it's a little bit easier when you go to a really good school to where you have really good players there. Like I had Jalen Ramsey and other really good players to where, yes, there was teams out there looking at me, but other teams looking at them, you could flash on film. You could flash on a 40-yard dash or something like that. So you do get that opportunity, but it just really depends on the caliber school you go to. All right, former defensive lineman, Niall Lawrence Stample, uh, joining us, of course, won a national title 
at Florida State. Let's talk about a couple of current Florida State uh, defensive linemen. Current, and I mean that kind of uh, in, in the post sense because they've wrapped up their careers and they're on their way to the NFL. Jared Verse, a 6'3", uh, 6'3 and 7'8", 254 pounds, 79 and a half inches as far as his uh, wingspan, but the arm length is so important for so many of these general managers, including right here in Jacksonville with Trent Baalke, uh, verse 33 and a half inch arm span, and he ran a four five eight. What an incredible day working out for Jared Verse. Unbelievable. Jared Verse, is, it's no surprise. Jared Verse is a professional, and he showed that all season long. He really goes after it, and I think that the combine has been nothing but a compliment of his actual regular season play. So Jared Verse, the actual the arm length is obviously important, especially with his position. With him not being the tallest guy in the world, that arm length can kind of substitute that a little bit and being able to stretch out from these big 6'7", 6'5", of offensive tackles that he's going against. So they're going to pay attention to that, and that's going to help him that amazing 40-yard dash is really going to put him in a different level just because you're able to really show him as a, as a speed rusher as well as a power rusher. So I think he really made some money, and um, it just nothing but polished his his regular season play. Yeah, Jared Verse had a very great, you know, had a very good career at Florida State. Um, he did some, some really good things this year during an undefeated regular season, but there were times he disappeared. Mm-hmm. There were times he went away. How alarming should that be? I don't think it's alarming at all, especially when you watch. If you truly watch what Jared Verse does on on tape and on, on film, he is a guy that can he's has a, he's a high motor. He doesn't have the highest motor in the world, but what happens is that he's able to take away a tight end. Mm-hmm. He's able to wait to take away a chip blocker like a running back to where now you can have uh, players on the opposite side to be able to really eat and get single uh, pass rush instead of that double and that triple. So sometimes he has to kind of sit in the in the in the shadows a little bit and kind of wait for that opportunity to happen. So I think if you really watch the film, sometimes there's there's a little bit of inconsistency, but for the most part, he is a dominant player all, all game. Yeah, it's interesting. I remember when Jer- uh, Josh Allen was selected and, and uh, reviewing the numbers of him coming out of Kentucky and the way that Mark Stoops used him, dropping him in coverage, mm-hmm. you know, nearly half the time during pass rush situations. Jared Verse is an every-down defensive lineman, maybe a guy who can be an outside linebacker, um, you're not going to take him out in running situations. This guy's going to be in there first, second, and third down. He is. He is, absolutely. And that creates a lot of value for teams. If a, if a team can say, hey, I'm going to actually use you on third down. Instead of I'm not going to have you on first and second because mm-hmm. we have a better defensive end that can hold the point of attack on that, that's fine. But guess what? We can also use you if we decide to. Or if there's certain packages we can use you if we decide to. So that is super versatile for him. He's making money because of that because you end up being on a lot more people's boards if you can actually take the point of attack. If they can run a power to your side and you can truly take that chip block or take that, that, um, that pulling guard to come by you so it, it creates a lot of value for him and I'm happy that he's able to really be on the amount of boards that he can because that's ultimately going to make him more money you know Norvell brings in all these transfer portal kids including uh, out of Albany a couple of years ago with verse and and obviously it was a uh, a, a wonderful um uh, transfer and, and had a great career at Florida State I read about Brayden Fisk and I'm like I think it was Western Michigan I'm like, really I mean Western Michigan was this kid flat out bald. No matter where you put him on the defensive line, he made play after play after play at Florida State, and he ran a four seven eight yesterday. Unbelievable. 
the so you have something and you watch Fisk and you see the development that he had coming to Florida State, which he obviously had um, at his previous school. So as you come in to Florida State and you're working with a coach like Coach Odell and you're able to polish your game, you saw it all season long. He decided to make a decision to be unbelievable. And you saw the precision of how he got – he started attacking upfield. He started being able to uh, play – Sound defense as well on the defensive line, but him being able to push the pocket, him being able to make tackles in the backfield, that's really what set him apart throughout the season. And it's crazy. As you go to the uh, the combine and you're seeing some of these players really put the cherry on top, I think Fisk is a great example for someone that decided that I'm not going to wait to the end. I'm going to show you all season long, and when it counts, I'm going to be there. Josh Edwards, who joined me in the first hour today, said that that he absolutely killed it. He he perhaps made the most money of anyone coming in. He was recognized as maybe a third round pick, maybe a guy who could fall late into the second round pick. And I'm not saying Braden Fist is now going to go into the first round, but I think you can comfortably say that that he's moved up certainly in round number two. So a uh, a great workout for him. Twelve Seminoles. Are there? They're working out the DBs right now. We just watched Renardo Green uh, run a little bit. Um, we're watching him right now, as a matter of fact, uh, mm-hmm. doing some drills. It, it, it reminds me of your group, all the defensive linemen who came in after winning, winning a national championship. Um, we understand the emotional side of it, but how much does that help to have 12 buddies with you? It is uh it's, it's awesome because when you have that amount of guys with you, one, obviously you're able to feed off that energy and have people in the room that are truly rooting for you, especially in a room to where it is completely cutthroat. Everybody in there wants to be better than you. So having those people in the room is unbelievable. And having and knowing that there is 50% of these players – are by themselves. They're the only t- uh, player on their uh, their team to actually get a combine invite. It is it is a game changer, and I think that it sets the tone in order for some players to really just have a better overall day. Maybe the next time we talk, we'll get into who's going to replace all these players. That's a that's a great question. I mean, eight defensive starters are leaving. We didn't even mention the offense where Travis is gone. Three offensive linemen are gone. Oh yeah, Bell's gone. Keon Coleman's gone. Johnny Wilson is gone. Trey Benson yeah. is gone. Yep. Next time you come in, we'll we'll hammer that. Tell me about your business, NLS Cleaning, right here in Jacksonville. NLS Cleaning is a ex- full exterior cleaning company. We do full interior and exterior windows, um, but our company is really based off of customer service as well as making sure that the quality assurance is taken care of. We want to make sure that your home is washed as well as your small business, your large business, um, whatever that case may be. But we focus on making sure buildings, windows, your flat work, your sidewalks, driveways, and everything is situated. But um, please reach out to us if you have any questions or concerns that we can help with that exterior cleaning uh, project that you may be having coming up here in the spring. What's the best way to get you online? Uh, You can reach out to our our website. You can uh, send out an inquiry there, and that's Nile at nlscleaning.net for my email, and the actual website is nlscleaning.net. Niall Lawrence Stample. Outstanding, man. Good to see you again. Good seeing you, Rick. There he goes, Niall Lawrence Stample. Appreciate that. You want to respond, you can, 641-1010 on our text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. All right, coming up next, a couple of nuggets on the Jags. I got something in college football as far as broadcast news that I think you'll be interested in, and at 5 o'clock, It happens.
I have it right here in front of me. Jaguar restructures, Jaguar cap casualties, and all of a sudden, a ton of money for Trent Bulky to work with. That's all coming up. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. No rain, no rain, no rain. Right, Neil Young, live Ross. Maybe if we try real hard, we can stop this rain. Actually, I don't care if it rains today. I just don't want the rain tomorrow. What a big golf game scheduled tomorrow, RK. Aaron Beasley in my foursome tomorrow. Ooh, big time. Mm-hmm. Are we going to uh, scratch here? Now, no, no, no. But we'll have fun. You know, as long as the weather will do its part, it's going to be a be a great day. Thank you to Nile Lawrence Stample. Enjoyed that. Can't imagine what it's like to be in a meat market like that. All the competition, you know, you just feel like you got to be a hundred percent the entire time, right? If you smirk or make a comment or drop an f bomb, you know. And I'm, I'm not talking about during the interview process. I'm talking about during the waiting process, and maybe someone else on the team catches a glimpse. I know others will say, "Well, hey man, if you can play, you can play." Look at this league. Doesn't matter. They'll take anyone if you can play. Uh, but at a combine, man, they can they can cut you off pretty quickly if you're um, if you're not on top of it. And we don't deal with that. Even when we go to job fairs, you know, even when we're in situations like that where you know we're getting set to graduate from college and campus holds a job fair you you know what it's like you go from company to company and you know back in my day 30 what i graduated in 1990 back then i mean you you get a business card and obviously things have changed but you you only have what that that whole first uh first impression deal i i wonder how prevalent that really is in the nfl because again if you can play you can play if you can, it'll take away some of those other things. But if you're smack dab, if they have you on the board right there, tied with another young prospect, I think the way that you are and the way that you act and the way that you interview ends up being huge. All right, 5 o'clock. I am going to go through some Jaguar restructures and some Jaguar cuts. This is going to be Camp Miss Radio. I mean, the effort that I put into this, is uh, is to be expected. Hey, I said on Monday, I really thought we'd get some stuff this week from Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. It, it, it's too easy. It's lazy just to say, oh, it's canned. Oh, it's lip service. You didn't really get anything. I don't believe it. I think we got a lot. Okay? I mean, if you look at this week, is Doug Peterson going to call plays? Press Taylor calling plays in 2024 is not a certainty. I still can't get over Doug Peterson telling us that there were things this year that he had to deal with that were out of his control. What could he possibly have been speaking of? I I think that is the most interesting point of this week that for the most part has been buried. I don't think it's been buried because people don't want to go there. I think it was buried because 
we have no idea what he's talking about. There's not like that locker room was being ripped apart, okay? You had some injuries. You had a four-game suspension with Cam. You had obvious miscommunication with Trevor and Calvin. You had Calvin getting tested by the media who had somewhat of a meltdown, which is very alarming, in my opinion. You had a Zay Jones domestic. But, you know, what what happened? Doug Marone, things that were out of my control that I had. What is he talking about? I mean, did the organization go from Pepsi to Coke and Doug Peterson had to get? What is he talking about? That was his quote this week. It's 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 baffling to me. Let me see if I can find it once again. Or I, I don't know if we have the sound on that that one, RJ. I hate to. Right, here it is, right here. Uh, Demetrius Harvey put it on Twitter. Uh, Doug Peterson, I'm taking over the play calling duties from Press Taylor. Quote: I think those are the things that I need to consider. There were things out of my control that I had to deal with more last year. It takes you away from some of that stuff. What is he talking about? What? I mean, you have a 60-minute game. You're calling plays. What happened? And I haven't been the sideline reporter for the last couple of years. This isn't like Urban Meyer who's listening to Pink Floyd obscured by the clouds and Sajay Lau, the wide receiver coach. No. This was a good staff. What could he possibly be trying to get at? It's like an untold story, unless this was just Peterson talking and it came out. Very alarming. Uh, Trent Baalke talking about the lack of physicality. Trent Baalke talking about the fact that he doesn't believe, and I'm paraphrasing here, that 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 you can really, what did he say again, that you're born with that toughness, you're born with that strength, right? Luke Fortner doesn't have it. Luke Fortner spent six years in Lexington. Luke Fortner showed up here as a 24-year-old man, not a 21-year-old kid out of college, a 24-year-old man. He's weak. You think he's just going to get stronger in one year? Cam Robinson. Trent Bulky's like, why are you asking me? Cam Robinson's under contract. I don't get it. Why would you? Well, we're asking you because we asked you when we spoke with you 18 days after the season ended and you went on and on about how Josh Allen's going to be here. Then when you got to Cam Robinson, you didn't want to say anything. So, yeah. It ended up being weird. And then finally, you know, Trent and the Trevor Lawrence contract extension – Please. Uh uh-uh. uh. Not going to happen. It can't happen. Right? Not now. And this team has to fill other holes. Let Trevor play year four at $11.7 million. Pick up his fifth year option. You have until May 2nd to do it. He's been asked. He's cool in that manner. It'd be one thing if he was out saying, pay me, pay me, pay me. He's not. You got to credit Lawrence for that. He could play that role. Think about how difficult that would be on this organization if Trevor Lawrence was saying, I want Herbert money, I want Hertz money, I want not Mahomes money. No one's getting that. I want uh, who else got deals? Burrow money. 
he didn't. There are other things that you need to fill in first before you get to uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yesterday, Doug Peterson talked about Travis Etienne's workload. And he did this in an interview with Josh Alper at Pro Football Talk, and I was amazed by it. Okay, for those of you who do not know, 267 carries last year for Travis Etienne. Top five in rushing, top three in overall touches. If you look at his 58 receptions. I thought he had a good year. He had a nose for pay dirt more than he did a season ago. He had 11 rushing touchdowns. He had uh, as well one receiving touchdown. Uh, touchdown. But he was, he was battered. He was blown up. And Jacksonville is going to have to decide by May 2nd whether or not to pick up his fifth-year option, a team-only option that only applies to first-round draft picks. He's worth $6.1 million for the 2025 season, right? I'd do it in a heartbeat, even though we understand and we see it again just how devalued that position is. I mean, you can get Saquon. Barkley wasn't tagged. Jacobs wasn't. And then these backs are tagged. And look at Dalvin Cook a year ago at this time, the year he came off of Minnesota. You don't even see Dalvin Cook on lists now as far as free agent running backs, like they've given up on them in one year. That that has to be like the one position that when you hit it, you're gone. And you can never come back. See Todd Gurley, see Le'Veon Bell, see David John. I mean, there's so many backs you can point to. I find it hard to believe that that's the case for Dalvin Cook. But But anyway, Peterson said he believed that that was the reason why he dropped in his production as far as his uh, effectiveness, right, as far as his efficiency. And, and um, you know, I, I, I kind of want to agree with this, but I think it speaks, once again, volumes as to what's ahead. Don't for one minute believe that Tank Bigsby's not going to be a part of this football team. He only got 50 carries a year ago compared to the 267 for Travis Etienne. You talk about a mammoth offseason, about understanding the game, the intangibles, the football instincts. Something went wrong with Tank Bigsby. And I do think the last couple of weeks of the year was his best football. I get it how you are with fans. I see it all the time. I saw you give up on Tyson Campbell the first eight games of his career. I see you give up on Trevor Lawrence after every loss. I'm not trying to be a a jackass here. I'm just telling you, this is the type of stuff that I receive. You gave up on Tank, and I get it. He made some colossal mistakes. He is a big part of this thing moving forward. They do not want Travis Etienne to have the third most touches of any running back in the NFL. Tank Bigsby is going to be in a position to take over many of those carries in 2024. And if Trent Baalke does not elect to pick up that fifth-year option, Tank Bigsby could be your starting running back in 2025. That's one part of this I don't get with some of you fans, okay? I understand 
the pain. I understand you giving up on people. But I don't understand you not wanting to see them turn it around. Okay? Because there have been examples with players who have, like Tyson Campbell. There have been some players around here who have turned some things around. Uh, Trey Herndon. I gave up on him. Free agent. I don't think he returned. I want to say Devin Lloyd, but I know where you are with Devin Lloyd. He At times, it's kind of like, what is he doing? He looks like Andre Branch out there. I mean, everyone's going left. He's going right. And I hate it for him because I'm a big fan of Devin Lloyd. I still think he's going to be a good football player. Is he going to be a first-round football player? Right now, the answer to that question is no. But I'm telling you, Tank Bigsby, the egos involved, a third-round pick. He's already missed with major third-round picks. I mean, Chad Muma? Luke Fortner? The, the Tank Bigsby thing is going to happen, okay? Unless Tank just falls apart. Now, there's a chance that that could happen. But the opportunity is going to be there for him to turn this thing around. So I just want you to understand that. And I thought it was very interesting that Doug Peterson, the way he said that in this interview, uh, to me was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. And um, I think we're going to see it. And uh, the other part of that, as I said, it's twofold. Yeah, I mean, you need a better offensive line. But it's hard for me to do a segment here on this radio station without telling you that in my opinion, and it's not even in my opinion, it's fact. It's straight fact, right? I mean, every once in a while, someone tries to send me something to support their side of it, and I love it. I encourage it. I love when you try to tell me I'm wrong. The offensive line is not as bad as you say it is. There's other things. Well, give it to me. Throw it to me. 641-1010. I totally disagree with you, but I, I, I'm not in a position where I won't read what you say, listen to what you say, and at least think it out with you. And if, if you touch upon something, that I haven't mentioned or supports it even going the other way, I'm not going to run from it. I never do. No way. All of this right here, all of it, is about fixing that offensive line. All right. Are you ready for this, R.J. Saunders? My goodness, I'm so excited. Can we have, like, special music for it at 5 o'clock and all of that? Oh, yeah. Can we oh, bring yeah. in some dancing girls or something? Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. I have right here, man. I have it right, right here. Oh, I'm going to sign this and sell it. Maybe I'll put it up on a, in a bathroom. We'll, we'll decide later tonight whether it goes in a men's room or a, or a ladies' room. Okay? Um, I have it. The Jaguars cuts. The Jaguars restructures and a ton of money coming. That is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Good to have you with us alongside RJ Saunders. My name is Rick Ballou with you for another hour until 6. I normally come on at 6. In early today, the gentleman and lady making their way back from Indy. Let's give him a nice weekend, right? No rain? All right, let's get after it right now. I um, Here's my plan. If I was the GM, 
That's exactly what I do. And, you know, depending on where you go, I'm, I'm using uh, overthecap.com, which presently right now says that Jacksonville has $30 million to work with. If, if you have not heard, massive uh, increase in the salary cap for the year 2024. It's up to $255.4 million. If you don't know how the salary cap works, right now you may look at it and your head will begin to turn a little bit like a dog uh, if you're blowing a whistle or whatever. And that'll be the case as well when you have a 90-man roster once camp gets underway. What the active NFL roster must look like when the game one of the NFL begins, not when the league year begins, which is in two weeks, but in week one in the NFL. You got to have everything under $255.4 million. That includes your 53-man roster. That includes anyone you put on injured reserve. That includes your 16-player practice squad. And it also includes dead cap money. Jacksonville is going to have some serious dead cap money this year. If you don't know what that means, dead cap money is obviously a player who is no longer on the roster but you let him go to recoup a whole bunch, you still had to eat some of that dead cap money. Like, for instance, I'm cutting Cam Robinson. I'm recouping $17,279,000. I'm going to eat the $3.88 million, nearly $3.9 million. That $3.9 million goes against the $255.4 million salary cap figure. So here's where I am at. All right, the first thing I want to address is Cam Robinson. He's gone. And I know that that's not a popular opinion. It's actually about 50%. I'm just, I can't get over $17.27 million. All right, $279,000. $17,279,000. I, I, I can't let that go. That is enormous money. You add that. That $30 million becomes all of a sudden $47.2 million to be able to do whatever it is that you want to do with this year's Jaguars team. And, and I think realistically, Jacksonville can afford to go out and bring in one really big name free agent. They weren't able to do that at all last year. I mean, who were their biggest free agents? You know, Brandon McManus. Uh, guys along those lines. It, it wasn't like the first couple of years. It wasn't like the Urban Meyer year with Trent, and it certainly uh, wasn't the way it was in year one with Doug Peterson. It, it can be that way. Now, you can move money around. They could land a second big-time free agent, and they could also land a couple of guys late. But with $47.2 million gives you the opportunity to do quite a few things, okay? That is my first move. See to Cam Robinson. My second move is this. It is all about Darius Williams. Can we just stop that right now? He was Jacksonville's best corner. He's got a cap figure of $11.5 million. What becomes so appealing in what appears to be a very rich defensive back NFL draft class, as I'm actually watching him work right now, uh, day two of testing at the NFL Combine. Th- this appears to be a really strong draft class. 
right? And a lot of people believe Jacksonville at number 17 is going defensive back. I, I am not in support of that. I obviously want to go offensive line. You would only have to eat 11, uh, excuse me, 500K by saying goodbye to Darius Williams. And you bring back 11 million. So you could take that 47.2, make it 58.2 by saying goodbye to Williams. And your dead cap figure would go from 3.8 to 4.3, okay? It, mathematically, it makes so much sense. But I'm not looking at it that way. I think Darius Williams was your best corner, and I think Darius Williams certainly should be a part of this Jacksonville defense this year. My only reservation, and I don't know the answer to this question, has Ryan Nielsen convinced Doug Peterson, has Ryan Nielsen convinced Trent Baalke, that he's not going to be a good press cover. He's not going to be a good man cover. And the reason why I think that is not going to be the case is listening to Ryan Nielsen, who's a very smart guy, and he's, you know, one year as a co-defense coordinator in New Orleans, last year as a defense coordinator in Atlanta. Now he takes over the reins here. I believe he's got the makeup. And I understand that the defensive line is his forte. That's where he's cut his teeth. But I think Nielsen is a smart enough guy that he's not going to be stubborn and say, this is the defense and this is the way we're going to run it. Kind of the way Gus and, and Todd Wash did, right? We're going to run the Leo and we're going to run it this way. And, and you know, I I can't call either one of those two stubborn. They were, they were, they're really good guys, but th- there was some hard-headedness there, let's face it, about running that style of defense. Great. And, and Gus has changed, you know, a little bit since he's moved around after. Okay? So I want to cra- – and, and, and Gus is considered a good defensive coordinator. He just failed as a head coach. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of talent around here. Anyway, my point is, is I believe with Nielsen, he's a smart enough guy to understand, I'm going to have to make some changes. I can't run this defense the way I ran the Atlanta defense. And he said so much himself as far as the mixing and matching and trying to make people guess. I am in full support of hanging on to Darius Williams. Okay? I think a lot of people out there would say, "Uh uh-uh, let's bring in the 11 mil Let's go after some other players. And I do understand, yeah, this is it. I mean, Darius Williams and Tyson Campbell and Andre Sisco, they're all free agents. That could be it for the three of them. I'm going to get to that a little bit later on. The next move I make, Zay Jones, he gone. Okay? I'm going to, uh, with Zay Jones, you know, and it's tricky when you look at, these contracts as far as when you can cut them. And, you know, I've asked around a little bit, and there are some loopholes where you can break it out over a couple of years, and apparently there is some language where the the reducing of the dead cap figure changes significantly with players all across the league. And that applies for three or four Jaguar players, where it makes far more sense to cut them after June 1st than it would be to cut them once the league year begins in just a couple of weeks, right? What hurts you there is if you gamble and cut them early, you're going to have more dead cap money 
and you're going to have less money that you can use in free agency. So in this case, I'm doing it post-June 1st for Zay Jones, okay? You're going to have to say goodbye out of $3 million, but you get to recoup $7,735,000, okay? Overall, the cap figure for Zay, $10,752,000. I I think there are some people out there that like, no, let's keep Zay. All right, we got to figure out what's going on with Kay, uh, with Calvin Ridley. You know, obviously going to restructure Christian Kirk. I'll get there in a minute, but that'll give you the same nucleus. That'll give you Engram back. That'll give you Strange back. I know that doesn't excite you yet, but who knows? And all of a sudden, it's Kirk, it's Wrigley, and you have Zay. Okay? You've got that third wide receiver. Um, I'm not going down that road. Zay last year got in some trouble. Zay last year obviously was injured. Saying goodbye to him. Next move. Rayshon Jenkins, it's time, all right? He's gone. It's a post-June 1st move. He's got a cap figure of $12,564,000. That's too much money for an aging safety. It is. I got Antonio Johnson who's ready to go. He'll give me this soft cell injury crap, fix up the hamstrings, fix up the calves, be in great shape, hydrate, stretch. And go out and play football. Rayshon, he gone. Rayshon Jenkins, you bring back $9,280,000. You have to eat $3.2 million. Unfortunately, once again, this money comes in post-June 1st. Okay, let me step in here now before I get to my next transaction. You're starting to add a lot of money in June. Remember old football, Coughlin, when he was here, and it really kind of led to, you know, his firing because of the salary cap problems. Do you remember football when June 1st was a huge day? And it was like a new wave of free agency. We've kind of gotten away from that the last couple of years. I think a lot of that is because of the way these contracts are written. I'd love to say... It's because the 32 teams are doing a much better job managing the cap. That's not it. I think it's the way that these contracts are written. Trent Buck has done a really good job writing these contracts with Walshie and everyone else. But for a lot of these players, it makes far more sense to cut them post-June 1st. So what does that do? Here's two guys I've cut, Zay and Rayshon. Let me add Big Foley to it. Big Foley's a – this is a problem, Okay. And out of all the players that I've mentioned, Foley's the only one who has not played well. He's got to get out of here. Unless they're convinced that he's just going to turn himself completely around in one year. I'm not buying it. I'm saying goodbye to him. The problem is, you look at Foley, man, there's only a $3 million difference in cap savings than there is in... In uh, Actually, I guess the way that I should word this, there'd be $9.2 million of dead cap money in a $12,780,000 salary cap figure. So you're only recouping $3.5 million, and you're losing more than $9 million. It, It doesn't make sense because the contract, the way it's written this way, ends up being poor. I, I just really saluted Trent Bulky for putting together good contracts. 
except for in a situation like this. However, it does change again post-June 1st. Let's go to Big Foley. Post-June 1st, if you cut them, that dead cap money all of a sudden only becomes $4.8 million, and you're able to bring back $8 million. So, Foley, Rayshon, Zay, right there combined, that's 17, that's $25 million that you are going to be able to bring back post-June 1st, which will be absolutely enormous when you start talking about re-signing Tyson Campbell. You start talking about re-signing Andre Sisco. If you haven't already gotten a deal done with Josh Allen, look at the last two years around here, 2022 and 2023. What do they have in common? You slapped the franchise tag on Cam Robinson and then last year on Evan Ingram. They were both in by the March 5th deadline. You waited in to get it done before the July 15th deadline, which is the last time you can sign a franchise-tagged player to a long-term contract extension. Credit the Jaguars organization. They were able to do it in both fronts. They got Cam done in 2022. They got Evan Ingram done in 2023. I happen to think it's March 1st now, what, 5.16 in the afternoon. The deadline is March 5th. I'm expecting the franchise tag on Josh Allen early next week. And then you hope you get the deal done by mid-July. You're going to have a second wave of cash that does come in. Final thought. Brandon Sheriff. Absolutely, he's gone. He's got a cap figure of $24 million. Problem here, once again, is how do you pull this off? And again, I've, I've asked a lot of people, and I can't get an answer. And I don't know if anyone knows for sure outside of the NFL and the Jaguars. It's not for my lack of, um, of, uh, of trying to figure this out. And I've actually read a couple of articles on it, but they were different, which clouds it even more. But if you were to cut Brandon Sheriff next week, Man, you're going to eat $14,868,000. You're only recouping $9 million. If you can wait until post-June 1st to do that with Brandon Sheriff, you only eat $7.4 million, and you recoup sixteen and a half. Now, I have heard that there are some ways that you can make this move pre-June 1st even though it makes sense to be post-June 1st and somehow this money will even out. I don't know how that is. I don't know how that works. If I could have someone explain it, I would put them on the air immediately. But I think there's a way that Trent Bulky and his staff, they know that they're going to be able to pull that off. So don't be surprised if you see Brandon Sheriff get cut in, in, in March and then we find out that there was something contractually speaking that allowed this to be better than what I'm getting. And the figures that I'm using are from overthecap.com. Again, if you go to spot track or something like that, you, it, often cases you get different numbers. This isn't perfect here, the way they came up with this. So, I'm cutting Cam, I'm cutting Sheriff, I'm cutting Zay, I'm cutting Foley, I'm cutting Sean Jenkins. I'm cutting five players. I'm keeping Darius Williams. I'm also massively restructuring the contracts of Christian Kirk and Foyer Aluakon. 
If you have not heard right now, Christian Kirk's contract number for 2024 is $24,236,000. We saw last year that Christian Kirk is the best wide receiver on this football team. Calvin Ridley's play dipped during the injury to Kirk. Kirk is reliable. He's durable. Okay. He has drops here and there, including that huge divisional round playoff drop a couple of Januaries ago. But he is the best wide receiver on this team. You have to restructure that contract. You can't say goodbye to him. You also must restructure the contract of Foye Oluwakan, who holds a $21,750,000 cap figure. I know they use a third-round pick on Chad Muma. <laughs> he's just wasting away, man. I mean, he's just wasting away. Not going to happen. I know they used a fourth-round pick on Ventrell Miller, who basically, reg- uh-uh, Aloakon's a stud. You have to bring him back. So those are the two contracts that you have to restructure, Christian Kirk and Foyer Aloakon. All right, that's my opinion. You'd have $47.2 million, according to OverTheCap.com, to work with immediately. And then again, you're going to recoup another 25 plus million. And I haven't even figured in the exact amount of money with Brandon Sheriff, which could be worth $16.5 million. That's either going to come in uh, in March to add to the, uh, to the $47.2 million, or it's going to come in June 1st to add to the $25 million. You're adding another $16.5 million with Brandon Sheriff. This football team is in really good shape. They can go out and get a premier free agent. They could go out and get two premier free agents. They could also go out and get, you know, one big name and then get a couple of other guys that, that don't blow you away but end up being really good football players, kind of the way it was with Christian Kirk two years ago, kind of the way it was with Foyer Aluakon a couple of years ago. Even though he led the league in tackles, how many people knew about him? Kind of the way it was with Zay Jones a few years ago. Kind of the way it was with the one-year show-me deal with Evan Ingram a couple of years ago. There's tremendous financial support that this team can go out and do what they want, including on that offensive line. I'd be very happy about this. I know you're, you know, are you willing to say goodbye to Cam, Sheriff, Big Foley, Rayshon, and Zay? Those are the five. In my opinion, they're all gone. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Happy birthday, Roger Daltrey, 80 today. From East Acton, London. He's really held up over time. He looks good. Looks like he could still take you into the corners, right? Fish out the puck. Maybe give you an elbow to the jaw. He's always been pretty physical you know, a lot of these rockers are going to live longer than all of us despite all the drugs but it seems like he's been kind of the exception of the rule am I wrong comes to Roger Daltrey of course Keith Moon died years ago and John Entwistle as well but you know Pete Townsend gets most of the talk he writes most of the lyrics but Roger Daltrey 80 it's a happy birthday 
Uh, a lot of you disagreeing. Actually, most of you are agreeing. We've got a couple disagreeing with me, which I honestly like better. I think it's better radio, right, when, when you uh, disagree. Where's the one that I found here? That uh, Oh, here it is. Uh, 6188 says, uh, Boogie, you're absolutely out of your mind. Cam is arguably your best offensive lineman. Get rid of the entire interior offensive line before you get rid of Cam. Rashawn Jenkins, really. Um, Jackson was the only offensive line group in the NFL that didn't have a starter over 70%, according to Pro Football Focus. You tell me that Cam Robinson is arguably the best offensive lineman is like telling you that I'm going to give you an all-paid expense to a gentleman's club of your choice and you're thinking you're going to Vegas or Tampa and you end up in Jacksonville. No kidding. You end up in Green Bay. Okay? You're talking about an awful offensive line. I mean, you can't pull out the best from something that's terrible. Cam Robinson missed eight games. He's not reliable. He's selfish. He got popped for PEDs. It's not like when he comes back, they're that much better. $22 million a year for Cam Robinson? I mean, he should be a star. He's not. Look at the analytics. Look at the rankings. Or better yet, how about your eye test? The first four games of the year that Walker Little played at left tackle was better. Appreciate the input. I, I uh, Here's another one. 74-29, yada, yada, Cam Robinson. But are you trying to tell me they could not put together a trade? Yes, they could. I didn't even go down that road. The two names I've heard most for trades are Cam Robinson and Walker Little. He mentioned Zay here. I haven't heard anything with Zay. The only thing I've read about possible trade scenarios, Cam Robinson, Walker Little. You can get something from them. He's not selfish. He got popped for four games. They, man, they break down these rules. They have everything. Whatever. I didn't know. Uh-huh. Dog ate the homework. They know. They're, they're given everything, what they can and what they can't do. Gosh, man. I love forgiveness. Thank God I wouldn't be still working here. There's nothing better than being forgiven. You want to forgive Cam? Fine. Forgive him. They lost games. They probably need to win with his ass on the sideline. Home games here against Houston and Kansas City. You want to support him? Fine. Support him. I think it's selfish. Let me get to this. Jack Collinsworth's out at Notre Dame. Voice of Notre Dame fired. Um, nepotism's awful, too, right? And I think nepotism really stings when you're good at what you do. Unfortunately, that's not the case for Jack Collinsworth. He's not good at what he does. Neither is his dad, who's god-awful. But Jack Collinsworth is now out, and Dan Hicks is in at Notre Dame. They'll stay with Jason Garrett. Jack's a nice guy. I've met him. I've had him on. He's okay. He's fine. He's just... It's the voice of Notre Dame. And Dan Hicks does a great job. I love him in golf. 
But you trying to tell me Notre Dame can't do better than Dan Hicks and Jason Garrett? You trying to tell me that Notre Dame can't find a proud alum somewhere who can talk? And they can't plug him in? We're talking about Notre Dame. I always loved it when they had like Pat Hayden. I'm like, Pat Hayden paid for like their biggest rival at USC. Imagine Florida having their own network. And you go out and you hire Deion Sanders as your color analyst. Or imagine Florida State having your own network. And you go out and you hire James Bates as your... No. What the hell's going on with... No- this is Notre Dame. Isn't that what... Co- oh, well, it's about great... Bro- no, it's not about great broadcasters. He just walked out Jack Collinsworth, who is a Notre Dame graduate. Maybe I answer my own question. Maybe there, are, maybe there isn't anyone from Notre Dame who can talk. Awful announcing ranked the, from 20 to 1, the, the worst broadcast teams. I guess best, depending on how you look at it. And I think we're blessed with very good play-by-play broadcasters. I think we're in an era right now where we're, we're scuffling for NFL color analysts. Troy Aikman is washed. Chris Collinsworth is appalling. You know, I mean, two years ago, Chris Collinsworth's like, oh, my God. What's L.A. going to do? How are they possibly going to win this Super Bowl? OBJ is out. And, I'm like, you know, the whole world's like, well, I don't know, Chris. Maybe they'll get the football to the guy who just won the Triple Crown in Cooper Cup. He had the most receptions, most yards, and most touchdowns. Maybe Matt Stafford will get the ball. Oh, my God. What's L.A. going to do? Eric Collins, Devin Gardner, number 19. I don't even know if I know him. Do you know him? They're on Fox. Rich Waltz and Aaron Taylor, number 18. Aaron Taylor, there's a, there's a Golden Domer. Put him on NBC. He's not, but I like Aaron Taylor. Uh, number 17, Matt Berry and Dan Mullen. Matt Berry's never taken a punch in his life. Such a sissy with those Florida State comments. I like Dan Mullen. Number 16, Alex Faust and Petros Papadakis. Way back when in your, did you ever go to the Papadakis restaurant, the Greek restaurant in Los Angeles? I did not. That's where all the USC recruits used to go. When I worked in Chicago, we were the home of the Trojans. For seven years, I go back for USC, UCLA, and I went out one night with Petros Papadakis to his Greek restaurant. Big fan of Petros. Number 15, Corey Provis, Jake Butt in the Big Ten Network. Don't know them. What do you mean you don't know them, Blue? You don't settle in for a nooner between Iowa and Purdue? Nope. But I may be soon, if that's where Florida State goes. Number 14, Mark Jones and Lewis Riddick. I think they deserve better marks than 14. I like Lou. 13, my buddy Wes Durham and Tim Hasselback on the Atlantic Coast Conference Network. They just, I'm sure they just get bad games. That's why. Wes a really good man. Uh, let's see here. Number 12, Dave Fleming and Brock Osweiler. I like that combination. Number 11, Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, and Cole Kubik. All right. Number 10, Bob with shoes in, Robert Griffin. Uh, RG3 did a lot of – RG3 always creates – he says some crazy stuff, man. 
What was he made a comment about Jesus Christ this year that really, really? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't remember what in what context it was. No, let me look for it. But it moved the needle. Number nine, Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman. Tim Brando, a weekly guest with yours truly. My 18th year back in Jacks every week. Worked with him in Chicago. Of Spencer Tillman. Number eight, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. Wow, that, that's, that's high. I thought they'd be in the top, you know, couple. I certainly like them better than Dr. Herbie and Chris Fowler. I put them ahead of that twosome. Number seven, Dave Pash and Dusty Dvorak. Okay. This is really cool what you cut out here from it comes with pictures and all of that stuff. I mean, this is really a lot of fun. Oh, looking through it, I mean, all the names that I'm, like, knowing, I'm just like, huh. I, I didn't think you would put them there and then put someone ahead of them. Number six, Joe Tessitore and Jesse Palmer. Jesse, the over-under on how many times Jesse talks about dialing up a defense, uh, dialing up a, uh, a blitz on defense is usually around two and a half to three. Joe Tessitore, uh, you suck. Noah Eagle and Todd Blackledge, number five. Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson, number four. Is it me or is Nessler slowly morphing into Al Michaels? Where he gets so upset about officiating and flags and reviews. And that's Al's. You know, Al, Al gets a million a game, but he's always upset. Nessler's starting to... And they're off the SEC. It'd be interesting now to see what type of games they get. Three is Jason Benetti and Brock Heward. Hmm. Okay. Sean McDonough and Greg McElroy. That that is pro- that is probably my favorite combination right now. Love those two. Sean McDonough is so underrated. Guy does hockey. He does it all. And then number one needs no mention. It's the biggest fraud of all. That's Dr. Herbie. Him and Tessator, the two biggest frauds, and Matt Barry. So there you have it. Jack Collinsworth out of work at NBC as far as the voice of Notre Dame. Into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, Cam Kitchens just ran a 465, the very talented safety out of Miami. I enjoyed the combine tonight over the weekend. That'll include the quarterbacks. Most of you don't believe that that's an issue here. Uh, But others, a little bit sketchy on it, right? We'll see. Some really good testing going on, though. Some great – and it was talking last time with Rafael Esparza about apparently this defensive back class – was supposed to be a lot slower than the wide receiver class. If you look at the odds, the fastest overall 40. Nate Wiggins earlier today ran a 4-2-8 and then uh, hobbled off. He's done working out. But we will see. Um, you know, I, I, I think the Jaguars right now, it's so important, man. It's so, this is, and I've been saying it forever, and I know this is a different audience 
with me on 3 to 6 today. I'll be back on at 6 o'clock on Monday night. We'll review the combine and then really dive into it. We're going to have a lot of golf talk next week uh, coming up as well or, or start to get into golf. And we're less than two weeks away uh, from the Players' Championship. In, in two weeks, we'll have the, the Friday scores trickling in. But this is the most important offseason, I believe, in franchise history here for the Jaguars. Because you could really, you could be a Hollywood writer. And you could put together a script right now where everything comes into place. And this team goes deep into the playoffs. Okay? You could write another that they make poor decisions in free agency. They make poor decisions in who they elect to hold on to. I'm getting more and more hold on to Cam. Hold on to Cam. Cam has all of a sudden become far more popular than he was a couple of years ago. Okay? Again, you're talking about a $22 million player. But all of these decisions that Trent Bulky is going to have to make, along with the draft, it, it really is a great time to be a Jaguar fan. And I know that that's hard for some of you to accept, considering they were 8-3 and three and lost 5 of 6 and disappointed you the way that they did. You're starting at 9-8. and eight. You're not starting with the top pick in the draft. You're starting at 9-8. and eight. You have a really good coach. And you have a really good quarterback. You got to keep them healthy. You got to build that offensive line. But you're starting as a relevant franchise. Look at the odds of Brian Burns. Look at the odds of a Jarius Sneed. Look at the odds of Daniil Hunter. I mean, Jacksonville's like one, two, or three in all of those lists. That that never used to be the case with Jacksonville. I just went through a system pre-June first, post-June first. All the money that this franchise is going to have. The ability to go out and get a premier free agent in two weeks. Maybe two. And then a huge draft class. So, yeah. There is an opportunity here for incredible encouragement. And I'm not going to be doom and gloom during the offseason. I'm going to stick to what I believe they should do. Support it with what I think I need to. But I'm hoping for the best here for this football team. I just want them to fix that offensive line so we all can figure out, is Trevor Lawrence a franchise quarterback? You can't do it with the current offensive line. And Doug Peterson went back and doubled down on it this week. you got to make the changes there and then see if, in fact, Lawrence really is a franchise quarterback. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Hacker Nation is here in a little bit early as I wrap up. Good to see you. Yeah, Rick, how are you, man? I'm good. Doing really good. Enjoying the combine? Yeah, yeah, watching a lot of it. Took a special interest in the defensive backs earlier. It's a shame that Nate Wiggins uh, got hurt on the 40-yard dash. Would have liked to see him do some things. But certainly cornerback, we know a lot of these names because that's one of the positions that it appears Jacksonville may be going, and I got to tell you, I saw Quinion Mitchell on a lot of Jaguar mock drafts. Mel Kuyper recently had him going to Jacksonville. I see why. 4-3-3. I mean, the, guy's, uh, the guy looks like a stud. Who knows if he'll be there at 17, but I now get the Quinion Mitchell hype. If it was uh, – if 
Gene Smith was still here, there's no question. All oh, right, right. That is yes. where he would go because it's a smaller school. Yeah, he loves the Mac. He yeah. does. Uh, some some serious testing today for a lot of these defensive backs. Yeah, you're right about that. You know, on the other side, we saw a wide receiver today with Josh Edwards, uh, the Turner kid. So who knows what this team is going to do? But I'm seeing less and less as far as offensive linemen at 17, and I've been pretty honest about it. That's where I would go. I heard your comments as I walked in, and I think you're right. It shouldn't be all doom and gloom, although I don't think it should be over the top either. To me, they're somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're probably as good as that 8-3 and three start indicated. I don't think they're as bad as they look down the stretch, 1-5. and five. I think it probably lies somewhere in the middle. My concern is, if you want to be considered among the NFL elite, the four teams that were left standing at the end this year, Detroit, San Francisco, Baltimore, and Kansas City, all four beat the brakes off of you in mm-hmm. the last 14 months. Mm-hmm. Detroit last year absolutely destroyed the Jaguars, and then you didn't score against San Francisco, an offensive touchdown. You didn't score an offensive touchdown against Kansas City, and Baltimore had their way with you as well. So I think Jacksonville is better than the bad teams. If that's something that makes you feel good, that's great, and it should because Jacksonville was a bad team at some point. But I think they still have a ways to go to get to where they want to be. Yeah, and you know we used to hear around here forever, well, Jacksonville doesn't get Pro Bowls. Jacksonville doesn't have all pro players because they're small market and people don't know about them. That doesn't apply anymore with every game being on and, and everything being so available. The bottom line for Jacksonville is this. We talk about all these names and fill in all these positions. Some of these players have to step up and become outstanding football players. I mean, right now, how many outstanding football players are there on this team, in my opinion, not named Josh Allen and not named Foye Oluwakon? Yeah, those are the two that jump right to mind for me. Evan Ingram? One year. Yeah. We need a little bit more. He's got he, a, he, you know? What, 180 catches in two years? Okay. But you're right. He had a great one-year stretch. Last year was good. I would say Evan Ingram might be on the cusp. Christian Kirk, when healthy, I think is a very good wide receiver. Uh, but you're right. As far as elite players at their position, Josh Allen and Foyer, but the one name neither one of us are bringing up is Trevor Lawrence. It, yeah, it, we're not. And, when you know, Trayvon Walker got much better this year. Yeah. I'd, like to say De- I'd like to say Devin Lloyd got better this year. I don't know if Tyson Campbell got better this year. I, I, I want to say Andre Sisco got better. I, I don't know. Did he get better? Uh, this year, but that that's the other part of this is you always hear about coaching and scheme and the X's and the O's or the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Jacksonville needs some superstars. Jacksonville needs to have again. If you go position group by position group and you say, "Give me a top ten Jaguar at that position group," and then go, "Give me a top five Jaguar at that position group," we just saw the guys in the AFC NFC Championship game in the Super Bowl. Look how many stars they have mm-hmm. at those positions. Jacksonville needs their – they need to get players who play better football. Got to emerge, and you got to make decisions on these guys. Everybody's talking about Trevor's extension. We always talk about Josh Allen. That's coming up, obviously, soon. But you mentioned Campbell. You mentioned Cisco, ETN. All those guys are going to want to get paid in the next year or two. So it'll be very interesting to see some of the decisions Trent Balky needs to make. Before we come up, uh, Hilliard had a big win. Moments ago, I guess state championship in oh, basketball yes. uh, knocked off uh, Crossroads Academy. They'll play against Williston. Uh, Williston, excuse me, coming up uh, tomorrow night at eight o'clock for the state championship. I know you're a huge high school guy, much much bigger than I am, but a, 
a nice victory there. All right, what's up? Yeah, a lot of teams are down in the state championship action down in Lakeland for basketball. Yeah, we got Hayes Carline coming up, obviously, of the Franzi Show. He's been up in Indy all week. He's going to stop by in about 20 minutes. NFL draft analyst Dalton Miller will stop by, and we'll go to Orlando in the 7 o'clock hour. Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel to talk about with a red hot Orlando Magic 4-1 and one since the All-Star break. They're in the sixth spot right now in the East. Only a game behind the New York Knicks for the four spot, which would give them home court in round number one. There you go. Have a lot of fun. Thanks, Rick. It's coming up right now, folks. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate you letting me be with you today from 3 to 6. Again, I am uh, always with you at 6 o'clock, and that will be the case Monday, Monday at 6. All right, Jay Saunders, I'll see you then. Have a great weekend. Absolutely, man. I do not check the text line, folks. If you want to get a hold of me now that the show is over, I'd never check it. I'm always available on Twitter or X. That's Baloo1010XL. You can get me at any time. Thank you to Josh Edwards, Nile Lawrence Stample for RJ Saunders. I am Rick Baloo. Have an outstanding weekend. I'll talk with you Monday at 6 o'clock.